Scripture reading today is just very, very familiar. Um, the, the word Samaritan, right? You think of Good Samaritan right away. And this is that scripture verse from John chapter, I'm sorry, from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied, and how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him up to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this sermon kind of preaches itself today, right? It's good Samaritan stuff. I've Googled um, pictures, paintings of the, of the good Samaritan. And this is a Van Gogh painting. It's a little bit fuzzy, but it's also kind of like that in real life. The story runs through generation by generation. It, it, it's interpreted as, as we live and breathe and have, have our being. I'm reminded in the story that the guy started the story asking a question, and then he wanted to justify himself. And if you ever thought humanity was different then than it is now, the smugness of that guy, I, he already got a five out of five. I don't know if he wanted a star or a piece of candy from Jesus or what. But it's interesting that Luke would put that in there. Luke's a physician. Luke writes with great detail. Uh, I, I was telling, as we started this sermon series, I was telling the worshipers in the sanctuary that when you study the Greek New Testament and you do the book of Luke and the book of Acts, it's incredibly difficult. Because Luke's language and his vocabulary and is brilliant, it's like a doctor writing, and 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 there's a depth of understanding and there's a the the language used is is very descriptive, and so you have a story that's there's not a lot of details missing from the day Jesus was teaching this week. That's just the meticulous nature of of Doctor Doctor Luke. And so he goes to the extra mile and says, and so he sought to justify himself. Interesting. 
We talk about justification and the fact that we are justified by grace through faith on account of Jesus. It's kind of our doctrinal way of saying God loves us for Jesus' sake. And humanity loves to justify itself. We love to say, and now look. Look at how great I am. Look at how smart I am. Look at how I have it all together. And Jesus kind of cuts through that smugness. Jesus kind of cuts through the self-justification and the self-adulation and all of those things and says, if you're going to be a neighbor and you're going to live in community, this, this is what it looks like. And so he asked that painful question, right? But who is my neighbor? Oh. But he takes us in that to the essence of Christianity. I love this picture because this is a picture of the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And you see it and you could see if you were a robber where you'd sit and how it would look like and where you'd attack the guys. And I, I, I would have to look again to see the elevation. But by the time you get down to the Dead Sea, you've gone quite a ways below sea level. The essence of Christianity is that we're on that pathway with Jesus. And the essence of Christianity and walking with Jesus is not about doctrinal differences and arguing about who's right and who's wrong. He didn't look at the attorney guy and say, you know what, here's the deal. Read this law journal and get back to me. No, Jesus said, here's who your neighbor is. And the essence of Christianity is not about political diatribes. Who's going to win this and who's going to win that? Who's going to have power over whom and how is that going to work? That is not the essence of Christianity. And certainly the essence of Christianity is not about being served. It's about serving and caring for our neighbor. And so as those three little things kind of sit in your heart, I came across, across this quote from Dr. King. He said, the first question which the priest and the Levite was asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Now there's the essence of Christianity. God first, others first, and going out of our way in the name of Jesus to be a neighbor to whoever, right? I have to laugh when I think about neighbors. I have a little PTSD. I used to live about a mile away from church. It worked out good. I have to laugh because we bought that house. We bought it for the amazing price of $210,000. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We bought that house. We had no money left. I had to put the totality of my of our money into it and we had nothing left we fudged a little bit on some money we had in the bank somewhere and, and we qualified for our loan and if and if you if you've been following the interest rates you'll laugh we wrote that loan for the incredibly low interest rate of 7.35 percent <laughs> little did we know that when we bought that home that the neighbors on each side were pretty rough so we got along with the one on the west side pretty well until the one on the east side retired. And then me, not being a good neighbor, I worked on my house and sandblasted my house and made an enormous mess in my neighbor's yard. 
And that soured that relationship forever. It was never a good relationship after that. There was nothing I could buy. There was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could say. There was nothing. Uh, for my son's confirmation party 100 years ago, um, he called the cops twice in the middle of the afternoon. And the cops came. And it was a cop whose wedding I had done. He goes, Pastor Tim, I'm sorry. But when they said children are wandering around, we got to come. I mean, so you have a little PTSD about neighbors and, and how that how that works and who who is my neighbor but the essence of Christianity is A, that Jesus is our neighbor and we are neighbors to Jesus and he calls us to live in community one with another and sometimes that's really easy, right? We got a good neighbor, you got someone you love, you hang out, your family and all those things, that's really good but sometimes it's very, very difficult and the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, like 25 strikes against him. He was the wrong ethnicity. He was the wrong religion. He was on the wrong road. He, I mean, on and on and on. Jesus could have used the Levite and the priest as, as things of positivity. And so they sat and prayed and did all of this thing. But Jesus uses a foreigner and an irreligious person, or at least in that Jewish attorney's mind's eye, a, a an irreligious person. But the Samaritan shows us Jesus towards us in this text. In every parable Jesus tells, he's in there somewhere. And in this one, it's pretty transparent. Who is Jesus? He's the one that when we were beat up and we were bloodied and we were robbed and we were there. It was Jesus who came and bound us up and said, I love you and I'm with you and I'll go with you and, and you're going to be okay and I'm going to love you and this is, this is the deal. And, and so there's that piece of Jesus in this text where Jesus is the good Samaritan toward us who are his neighbors. And that's the gospel in this text, right? That, that, that's the essence of Christianity, is that we are neighbors of Jesus and close to God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to read the scripture and you want to read effectively, look at the verbs. And this slide might be a little small, so I'm going to call those out for you. But all of these things the Samaritan did to the man who was beat up on the road, he had pity, he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured on him oil and wine. He put him on his donkey. He took care of him. And he took out money to reimburse. And there's the practical application of this text. I don't know how many of you have donkeys, but if you have your Tesla, you can pull up your Tesla and put the, the hurting guy in the back of it. I mean, the verbs are powerful in this. But the first one that he had pity on him his heart went out to him. It's not that the, the good Samaritan looked at him and said, you know, you kind of got yourself into this mess. Everybody knows that you don't go down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Everyone knows it's robbers. It's just kind of what it is. Shouldn't have been driving on that road. Shouldn't have been in that place. Shouldn't have done this. Shouldn't have said that. You know not to bring up politics when we're sitting with the kids. But Jesus leads with the Good Samaritan, with an idea of pity and compassion. And perhaps that's the first thing in being a good neighbor, is ascertaining and figuring out where the other person's coming from, and then figuring out the needs. But to have pity and then to go to him, those two pieces break down walls and barriers between neighbors and people. 
and allow us to get real, to minister and to serve one another in a way that's otherworldly. And instead of measuring everything out and saying, well, I want to help, but only insofar as it's not painful or inconvenient or costing me anything. The Good Samaritan has pity. He goes to him, bandages, pours, puts, takes, reimburses. What are you willing to do for your neighbor? And how far are you willing to go? Because the essence of Christianity is how far Jesus went for us and how he calls us to go to one another. I love this. Here, here. So where do you go? Huh. Go to your family. Who needs Jesus and who needs what you have more than your family? That's my grandson with his fingers in his mouth watching tractor videos with grandpa on the couch. He's my neighbor, probably my favorite neighbor at this point in time, right? And with his beautiful grandma at the ball game, who is your neighbor? Your family and your friends are your neighbor, not just, I love it. Don't you sweat that, Jackie. That's the best noise in the whole world right there. <laughs> He's looking at his buddy up there on the screen. That's fantastic. But the idea, right, that we're, we're there for our family, and, and that we are Jesus in our families to one another. That grace isn't just a theological construct, but grace is, is what happens when we reach out to one another in those painful moments in family. And instead of walking by or cutting a person off and saying, you know what, forget you. I've had enough of you. You and all your problems, they're gumming up our family and it can't have it the way I want it. What does it look like if we take a little bit of pity and we go to that person? Wonderful, right? Sometimes that neighbor is sitting right next to you, around the table, in your home. And sometimes they come back from college and they're irrecognizable from where they've come from. But we take pity and we reach out and we love unconditionally. Who is your neighbor? Perhaps your spouse is your neighbor and there's a rift in your marriage and by the love and the grace that you show to one another, there's a coming back together. Maybe not in terms of bandages and pouring oil and wine on one another, but perhaps pouring a glass of wine and sitting in the backyard and saying, honey, we got to work this out. Who is my neighbor? Well, sometimes your neighbor is your neighbor. The people you work with, the people you rub shoulders with, the people you know and love, the people who you could eliminate yourselves from, but you choose not to, or they choose not to because of the way life works out. And sometimes those are very difficult because you could exclude yourself. And sometimes the wise thing and the prudent thing to do is to exclude yourself. And sometimes the peace is to turn back toward that neighbor and offer the help, the care, the love, to stop, to take pity, to go near, and to do what you can do to love and care for them. Yesterday I was a part of a neighborhood celebration. It was so funny. The lady whose birthday it was turned 100 yesterday. 100. That, she's in great shape. 
I looked at her and said, Phyllis. And she looks at me and says, what are you doing here? I'm like, it's your 100th birthday. She goes, well, I know that. That's just great, right? I love that attitude, man. Be, her mother lived to be 104. My word. These German Lutherans. Raw, right? Who's my neighbor? But who's around her? A hundred years of friends or thereabouts, right? People who know her and love her and encourage her. She said, who are all these people? I said, Phyllis, these are all your friends. Sometimes your neighbor, your, your community, those, those are the people that need what you have and for whom you can go out of, out of the way. There's dramatic stories about that, right? About people needing a vital organ and you're giving your neighbor a kidney. Uh, I, hey, if that works for you, I get it, but it doesn't work for me. What works for me is kindness and being kind to my neighbor so that they know that peace is in our block in our relationships and in our neighborhood. And I pray that if you have a neighbor who provides angst for you and anxiety for you, that God would open that door and you'd be able to blow through it and say, peace be to you and let's, let's figure this out. Now I'm gonna blow this slide up quickly and it says at the top of it, and who is my neighbor? And I'm not gonna make a comment, but I'm dying to see what your response is. Ready? Three. Two, one. <laughs> right? Who is your neighbor? Sometimes we live offensively and sometimes we live defensively as neighbors. And I would pray that we would live gracefully as neighbors. And that people who have faith instead of doubt, what do our signs, what are St. John say? Faith instead of, trust instead of faith. What, what are our signs I just saw yesterday? Faith instead of fear. That, thank you. And I would pray that people have those on their yards, do not have electric fences around it from their neighbors that says, don't touch my grass. Right? For our witness in the world is neighbors is how we get along with one another. I thought this picture was fantastic. I put this fence up just to spite you. No. How do we serve our neighbor? How do we love and care for them? How do we live at peace so that the witness to Jesus Christ that we give in our homes and in our neighborhoods is that of a gracious and loving God? You see, maybe never before in the history of the world since Jesus spoke this, is our living at peace with other people more important? And then there's those neighbors that we love and those neighbors that we get along with. And I love that. I'm a get-along-to-go-along guy. i got to be pushed pretty hard before I get mad, especially at someone I don't know. If it's someone I know and they pull my chain, I get pretty mad. That's part of it too. But whatever, I'll preach that at another time. <laughs> but God puts us in community and relationships for the betterment of our hearts and the hearts of those we're in community with. And life is better and life is richer. And sometimes, yes, life is harder but the ability to get along and share the love of Jesus with those who are so close to us is a marvelous gift that strengthens our heart. Who is your neighbor? I would offer that your neighbor is anyone who needs you, who needs what you have, who needs your love, who calls you out of a comfort zone or a bubble, Anyone who makes you pause and stop 
take pity on, go near, bandage, pour, reimburse, serve. Who is my neighbor? That's right, you. You are my neighbor, and we are neighbors one to another. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, thank you so much for an opportunity to think a little bit this morning, to think not about the, the cost as much as the heart that is inclined toward the other person. So bless us as we think that through and live that out. For people who have kind of exasperated uh, their, their nerves are raw, and when you think about neighbors, this kind of feeling comes from the, from the back of their neck to the front of their mind, and they're saying, oh, pastor, if you only knew what a jerk my neighbor is. I, I, I get that, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I get that. But I pray that you would open doors and you would open opportunities to share love and grace and kindness. Some, Lord, you do that in a spectacular way, and sometimes you do that with that still small voice. So bless us in all our relationships, homes and families, in localities, in our church, in our community, and even nationally. Bless us as Christians who've been served by the best to reach out in love to those who need it the most. In Jesus' name we pray.